It's wonderful to be here with all of you today to worship God in spirit and in truth. We appreciate all that have come to be with us. And as always is the case, I do consider it a privilege to speak concerning the Word of God. And I hope we have some things that will be both edifying and encouraging to you. The reason for teaching on this passage in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 18 is because a question came up in a Bible study, a private Bible study that I was having about, oh, 10 days ago or so. And the question came up about this verse. What is this verse talking about? In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 18, John says, We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. But he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. So the question came up, is this verse actually saying that a person will ever reach a point in time in their life when they do not sin at all? In fact, this person that I was studying with said, you know, the Bible says that everybody sinned. I thought everybody makes mistakes, and the only one that's perfect is Jesus. Do I need to cut this part out of my Bible? Is there a contradiction? The answer to that is no. And we're going to get to the context of this passage in just a minute. But first, let's notice the two things that are said, two very important, important statements of fact about someone who is born of God. And we'll talk about what that means also in just a few minutes. But the one that is born of God, two things, does not sin, and the wicked one does not touch him. We're going to get to those in detail in just a few minutes. But you know, this passage is sometimes often misunderstood. Some people have looked at this passage as to mean that there comes a time when a person reaches a higher level of spirituality through sanctification of the Holy Spirit and actually gets to a point when they do not sin at all. That is false. That's not what John was saying here. But what we want to do is we want to notice some foundational passages before we get to the context of this passage. And remember this. If we think that there's a contradiction in the Bible between two passages of Scripture, it can only mean the following. It only means that we don't understand one or both of those passages. Because the Bible says that the Bible is not for private interpretation and God is not the author of confusion but of peace. So, all that being said, notice with me now some foundational passages regarding things like sin. In 1 John chapter 1, and we want to begin there in verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So here we notice right off the bat, if a person says that they have no sin, they deceive themselves and the truth is not in us. What else do we know? Then John says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love verse 9 very much. You've heard me preach on this many times over the years. But let's just notice. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. The truth is not in us. We are going to sin. Then the promise, if we confess our sins... And that is, confess those sins to God. And by the way, remember this. The word confess doesn't mean admission. Doesn't mean, well, I'm, I'm caught red-handed. i got to admit it. Oh, okay, I did it. I confess. Confess here is the Greek word that literally is translated to say the same. 
So when you confess your sins to God, when you sin and you will, that is confession with godly sorrow, that is confession with repentance. When you do that, notice what God does. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Right here it says, even the contamination of that sin is gone. That's complete forgiveness. And you know, I might say this in passing though. Sometimes we have the consequences of our sin that continue. We're not promised that the consequences of our sins will be removed. All we're promised is we're going to be forgiven like they never happened. And even the stain of the contamination of that sin, God takes that away too. But it's very important to remember though, we have sometimes and oftentimes the consequences of those sins and they linger on. And you could plug in, you don't need me to give examples of that. You can plug in whatever you would like where there are consequences for our actions. So what do we know so far? We sin. If we say we don't sin, the truth is not in us. We need to confess those sins to God. He'll forgive us of our sins. And then he says in verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Then 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 beginning in verse 1. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments, is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. Now, sin happens to every person. What he's saying is this. These things I write to you that you may not sin. What's he talking about? What he's saying in context there, I'm writing these things to you so that sin is not the direction of your life. It's kind of like this, okay? People make mistakes. Kids make mistakes. Do you remember when you had little kids and they're getting ready to go off to school and we say, uh, behave yourself, uh, don't misbehave, don't, don't do those things that are wrong and they're going to get you in trouble, make good choices. Do we really think for a minute that they're going to make every decision right, that they're going to always behave and not misbehave at all? What we're saying is don't let that behavior be the direction of their activity and the direction of their choices. That's what John is saying. He says, I'm writing these things to you so that sin is not the direction of your life. And then he says this, but if anyone sins, and sometimes this word if is very confusing. Sometimes the word if, though, is translated since. Here, scholars tell us, the word if is better translated as when. So, I'm writing these things so that sin is not the direction of your life. And when you sin, though, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And who is Jesus? He himself is the propitiation for our sins in that he paid the fine for us. He paid the price for us. 
He went down to that lonely road that led to Calvary and died for the sins of the world. And that's exactly what John says, too. He's the propitiation for our sins, but not just our sins, all, all those of, uh, throughout the whole world. Jesus died for the sins of the world. Now, notice this next phrase here. Now, by this we know that we know him. You know, there's two different words here in this passage, in this statement, and they're different. This word know means to know for certain. You can know of assurance. You can know for certain. This word know means to have a relationship with. There's a lot of people that think they have a relationship with God. But notice what John says. We know for certain that we have a relationship with him only if we keep his commandments. He who says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. This is a mouthful here. So notice this in verse 4. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. I want to give you a little example. Okay? There was a brother in Christ, and it's not the only time somebody's ever said this when they decided not to follow the Lord anymore, not to be a member of the church, a faithful member of the church, and they quit. I was talking to this fella, and he said, yeah, I know, but I still love God. I still pray to God. I still have a relationship with God. Well, not according to this passage. You can't say that you have a relationship with God and not keep his commandments. And if we say that we know him and don't keep his commandments, we're a liar and the truth is not in him. Notice the next verse. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. What I want to know is this. Is this talking about our love for God or is it talking about God's love for us? I think it's both. I think it's both our love for God and God's love for us. Notice. When we keep his word and we obey him, our love for God is perfected or it is developed fully in our obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He said, if you love me, keep my words. That's what Jesus says. The word perfected means, according to Mr. Vine, to bring to an end by completing or perfecting. It means fully developed. Our obedience shows the proof of our love for God. Now, also and secondarily, God's love for us. But 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3 real quick. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. So, our love for God is made manifest or fully developed or perfected in our obedience to him. That's number one. Number two, secondarily, what about God's love for us? Well, the Bible says in John 3, 16, very familiar passage, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We know that God loved the world when we were in sin. God loved the world so very much that he sent Jesus to die for the sins of the world. And when it says so loved, it doesn't mean an amount of love. It means that God demonstrated his love by sending his son. All right. 
But God's love for man is only perfected or fully developed when we obey him and receive the spiritual blessings in Christ and receive salvation. It's by our obedience. Our obedience shows our love for God and it's made manifest or fully developed. And our obedience also is a time when God's love for man, for us, can be fully developed in receiving those spiritual blessings. Now... All right, so what have we learned so far? What do we know about sin? We know this, four things. We know that all have sinned. We know, number two, if we say that we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves. Number three, we only know him or have a relationship with him if we keep his commandments. And number four, when we keep his word, the love of God is perfected or fully developed. That's our love for God and God's love for us. So what about 1 John chapter 5 and verse 18? All that being said, what about 1 John 5, 18? What does it mean? Remember, it cannot contradict other passages of Scripture and be true. So we need to understand what the context is. In doing that, though, we have to go to 1 John 5, and we have to go to verses 16 and 17 first. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death, and I do not say that he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not leading to death. I don't have time to go into this in great detail. I'm going to be very brief about this, but let's just notice a couple of things here. What he's saying is there's a sin that does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death, and all unrighteousness is sin. Okay, so everything is under the umbrella of sin. If it's unrighteousness, it's sin. You know what that means? There's no degrees of sin. Sometimes there's greater consequences for different sins, but there's no degree of sin. All unrighteousness is sin, and sin is equal. Okay, but then he says, though, one, with these sins, there's a sin that does not lead to death and a sin that does lead to death. And we understand what this means. This is this. There's a sin that does not lead to spiritual death, and there's a sin that does lead to spiritual death. Now, what's the big bad sin? The sin that leads to death, spiritual death, Spiritual separation from God is any sin you will not repent of and confess. It is the practice of habitual sin without the willingness to repent that leads to spiritual death. And by the way, we got to get this because this is the same context as we flow into verse 18. It's the same thing. Now, a sin that does not lead to death, obviously there's... We all sin. We all make mistakes. And just because we sin, it did not separate us. We did not lose our relationship with God. Every night we pillow our heads. We ask God to forgive us of our sins, and he cleans that slate. We confess those sins to God with godly sorrow and repentance. He even takes away the contamination of that. Still have a relationship with him. But when I go and I decide to live a life with habitual sin, and I make that choice without the willingness to repent, that leads to spiritual death or the separation of me from God in our relationship. All right. 
So, does it mean, in verse 18, what does it mean then? We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. But he who has been born of God, God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. All right, first of all, what does it mean to be born of God? Born of God is better translated begotten of God. It's the same word that means to be made alive. Okay? So he who is made alive or begotten of God does not sin. Hold that thought. Let's go further. It's also translated as child of God. Who's that? Just somebody that's been baptized for the remission of sins and nothing else. No. One that is begotten of God is a child of God is a faithful Christian. The statement of fact in this promise is for the faithful Christian only. And what he's saying is the faithful Christian that is begotten of God, made alive by God, is not going to practice habitual sin that we just talked about in the previous verses and be guilty of uh, practicing that without the willingness to repent. That's all that means. It doesn't mean we can't sin at all. The Bible says all unrighteousness is sin. So if I'm a faithful Christian, I'm not going to practice habitual sin and have the lack of desire to repent when I make, it, when I make those sins in my life. That's all that means. It means I'm not going to ruin my relationship with God. But you have to be a faithful Christian. A person that is a faithful Christian has that promise. You know, there's a whole lot said about the devil. There's a lot said about the devil. It's amazing how many conversations I get into with people that talk about the devil and the devil having strongholds in life, demonic possession, the devil meeting us in our dreams. Stuff that I've really never even thought about. Yet people sometimes today have that in their mind that that actually happens. Now remember, this is a statement of fact. There are two facts here that we want to notice. And it's for the faithful child of God. What happens? If I'm a faithful child of God, I'm not going to be guilty of living my life in the habitual practice of sin and be stuck in the unhappy circumstance of the sin that leads to spiritual death. What else? But he who has been born of God, that's begotten, child of God, or faithful Christian, keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. I don't know if a passage can be any clearer than that. If I'm a faithful child of God, and by the way, not based upon my own strength, not based upon my own wisdom or anything really, but with the Lord's help, putting my faith and trust in the Lord in all things and putting my life in the hands of the Lord in all things, trusting him in both time and eternity, you know what's going to happen? The wicked one, the horrible devil is not going to touch me. I didn't say he's not going to tempt you. I'm saying that the devil does not have a stronghold in your life that you do not allow. The devil 
is a vanquished foe. And that happened at the cross. The cross took care of the whipping on the devil. The devil was whipped by Jesus at the cross. And you know what? He's a vanquished foe. And the Lord was victorious. And we that are in Jesus Christ will also be victorious in the same way. The devil does not have a stronghold in your life if you don't allow. So, in closing, in 1 John 5.18, it teaches us this. I'll sum it up and we'll be finished. The Christian who sets his mind to refrain from sin will not be guilty of the habitual practice of sin without the willingness to repent. He will set his mind to refrain from sin and with the Lord's help will be free from the grasp of the devil because Satan has no power over us that we do not give him. Those are great promises. I'll just throw one more passage in. James 4, 7. If you're having trouble, if you're struggling, submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He's bound and we can bind him by the word of God today too. Great stuff. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 730 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.